Luke 21 this morning. Luke 21. Now, we're going to cover the whole chapter. Well, not the whole chapter. We covered part of it last week, the um, widow's might. But we're going to cover the whole chapter because we need to take in the broad scope uh, of what's happening. Now, we do need to take some time and actually look at prophecy. I've asked Pastor Moore to come in October, and he's going to come, and he's going to, we're going to have a week where, that we devote to, uh, to, to prophecy, right? But we need to get the broad scope of what's going on today. So I need to go through the chapter fairly quickly uh, and point out some things to you. So here's what we'll do. We'll read it, right? And then I will just dive in straight after that. But let's pray before we do. And let's ask the Lord to open our hearts to his word. Prophecy may not be your bag. Right? It may not be the thing that kind of uh, that, that drives you. But understand this, <clears throat> that prophecy is important to God. You see, prophecy is not about what's going to happen to you. And prophecy is not about you know, making a boring life exciting. Some people kind of get into prophecy because it's exciting and their life's uh, not going, going all that well. Right? Prophecy is about God's great plan. When he wants to do what he not wants to do, what he is going to do. That's what it's about. It's about what, what he is going to do. And we're his friends as believers. And so he, he lets his friend, John, John 15 tells us uh, that he doesn't hide what he's doing from his friends. He lets us know what he's going to do. He, he tells us what's actually going to happen. You have a great example of that in Daniel, the prophet Daniel. The prophet Daniel uh, <clears throat> read in, 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 in the prophets, he, he read that there was 70 years uh, to end the captivity of Jerusalem. And he said, now hang on a minute, we're right there. This, this has been going on for 70 years. So he began to seek the Lord. And he began to fast and pray. And God sent the angel Gabriel to this man, greatly beloved, and gave him that great prophecy about the, uh, the 70 weeks, the 490 years till the end, that God was going to bring in, end transgression and bring in righteousness. And he revealed it all to Daniel because he was his friend. And, you know, God wants to reveal to you and I what he's doing. We don't have to live in the world as though, you know, it's all up in the air and we have no idea what's going on. We don't have to live like that. Our God knows exactly what he's doing. And as his friend, you and I should want to know, and he will tell us what he's doing. I read through the book of um, Revelation yesterday. And here's the reason why I read through it. Because it says that there's a blessing to those who read. Whoever reads this prophecy, there's a blessing to those who read. So I read through And you know, here's the blessing I got. The blessing I got is a calming in my spirit and a recognition God's in control. Nothing that's happening in the news, nothing that's happening in the Ukraine, nothing that's happening in China with Taiwan, uh, nothing that's happening in our world uh, is out of kilter with what God wants. God is never in heaven scratching his head and saying, how am I going to deal with this? God is in control of everything. Yes, he lets things run, but they only run as far as he wants them to run. Because he's in control, he's got a plan, and he's working it out. And I guarantee you, folks, we, we may look at the news today and think, oh, it's terrible, it's dreadful. When it all works out and we stand with him, we're going to look at our world and the days we live through and say, he got it just right. He got it just right. Nothing happened. That wasn't part of his plan, and that wasn't part of what he was going to do. So uh, let's pray, and then we'll read. Father, would you bless your word to us, open our hearts to receive all that you have. Pour into us, Lord, 
that understanding and that knowledge and that hunger and that thirst that was in Daniel to know your will and your way. And oh Lord, may we be excited because it's you and it's a perfect way and you have the power to work it out. Now bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Luke 21, and we're starting in verse 5. And as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, As for these things which ye behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, uh, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then he said unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilences and fearful signs and great signs shall there be from uh, fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what ye shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but there shall not a hair of your head perish. Uh, in your patience possess ye your souls. Do you know that you can die, but you're not gone? Sometimes Christians fear death. Uh, that that looks, looks very strange, doesn't it? Uh, some of you, sh they shall put to death, but sh there shall not a hair of your head perish. Listen, the reality is, you and I pass out of this world into his presence, and death is not the end for us at all. We need to remember that. Um, in your patience possess you your souls. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee into the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not uh, them that are in the countries enter thereunto. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled." But woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck, to those days, uh, in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon the people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the power of heaven shall be shaken. And when they shall see the Son of Man, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in, in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And he said unto them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is nigh, now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, as at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, 
and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that they may be accounted worthy, uh, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And in that day, uh, in the day uh, he was teaching in the temple, and at night he went out and abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to hear him in the temple for to hear him. <clears throat> so um, <clears throat> Jesus is now hours away from the crucifixion, right? A couple of days, three days uh, away from it maximum. So he's ready to be crucified, and he's with the disciples, and he's teaching and talking to them. And somebody asks him a question. The question's very important in this thing. He asks him, look, you, you, you said the temple's going to be destroyed. When is that going to happen? And so the question that they ask him kicks off this whole discourse, this whole Olivet discourse, and it's recorded in the other... Um, <clears throat> Gospels as well. Uh, but it kicks off this discourse and he begins to speak to them of it. Now, some things you need to remember as we're looking at Luke chapter 21. The church doesn't exist yet. Right? That's hard for us to imagine, isn't it? Because we imagine that this band of disciples that follow the Lord Jesus Christ, they were the first church, they were Christians and so on. No, in their minds, they were Jews. They were Jews and Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. And yes, they were following him and his teachings, but they were Jews. It's not until much later in the book of Acts that, that, that Peter is told to go and preach to the Gentiles, and he's, he's got a real problem with it. I've never done that. I've never eaten anything that was not kosher. I've never been involved in anything like that. They're, these are Jews that he's talking to. Right? And um, we need to keep that in mind so, so that what he's speaking to now is these people that are Jews. <clears throat> and also when we look at prophecy, very often we see this thing. It's talking about something near at hand and something far in the future at the same time. It's talking about uh, a baby being born to a virgin. Uh, that's something near at hand. And then it's Jesus and we see, it, we see the fulfillment of it uh, later on. So oftentimes... So Prophecy can be kind of confusing because it seems sometimes to switch between the two. Uh, these people really haven't got a clue uh, about what Jesus is talking about. And um, <clears throat> we need also to remember this. When it comes to the church, we're not waiting on any signs and wonders for Jesus to come back for us. Right? Somebody put it this way, and I like it. That we're not waiting for a sign. We're waiting for a sound. We're waiting for the sound of the trumpet to call us out of it. We'll look at this, but all these people are Jews that he's speaking to. We're not Jews, folks. If, if anything, we're Gentiles. Right? We're, 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 we're the dogs. Right? Uh, you know, you've got the 70 weeks of Daniel. Uh, 69 of the weeks are up when we get to Luke chapter 21. But Right, the cruc crucifixion, the, the triumphal entry this week is 69 of the weeks are up. There's, there's one week left. And there's purposefully, Daniel is told, there's a, there's, there's a gap between the two. Messiah's going to be cut off. And then uh, lay, at a later date, there's going to be another week. There's going to be another seven years. That's the seven years of tribulation that are coming on the world. But what you've got is you've got the church dropped into this that was not really expected. The Jews weren't expecting the church. They were the people of God. The Messiah was their Messiah. They were going to conquer the world. They weren't expecting there to be another body involved in this whole thing. And that, that's what we are. And remember that Paul tells us that to make them jealous, 
God took and stopped working with them and started working with us, with the church. He gave that which they wouldn't receive to the Gentile dogs, to us. And so the church age is born. And as much as we think we're the center of it all, and we are in this age, Israel is the center of it all for God. And he's going back to dealing with them at the times that the Gentiles are over. So we need to understand that what's going on here is kind of, it's kind of complex, but we need to not look at it just from our perspective. We are the church, yes. We are his children, yes. We enjoy the richness of relationship with him, and we will be with him when much of this goes down. <clears throat> but understand that Israel is still God's plan. He made promises to Abraham. He made promises to them through the prophets. He will fulfill, fulfill all his promises to them. All the prophecies will come through. All right? Okay, so the first thing is there's a question, right? The disciples have a question. Uh, they ask him when the temple will be destroyed and when he will come again. And they ask him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? Fairly reasonable question, isn't it? Jesus is saying, you know, you're going around the temple and they're looking at the temple. The temple is majestic in its beauty. It really is. Herod's temple, you know, for all of, all of a bad guy Herod was, the temple was magnificent that he built. And so he builds this magnificent temple for them, and they are very proud of it. It's kind of, it's like a wonder of the world, one of the wonders of the world in their day. They say the gold on the, on the, on the top of it, when the sun shone on it, it looked like the sun itself. It was just a magnificent building. It was polished marble. It was just wonderful. And they, they, they're looking at the stones involved in it. And um, they, they, they're pointing it out to Jesus. They're always pointing it out. It's kind of the, uh, you know, the, the, the most important piece of architecture to, in the world to them. Uh, and it's the house of God to them. Much different than a church. It's the house of God to them. So they're pointing it out. And Jesus said, uh, it's all going to be torn down. And so they want to know when. When is this going to happen? When is the, when is the temple going to, going to be torn down? Now remember, they're Jews. They're a very active part of temple worship now. They're going to continue to be a very active part of temple worship, you know, for, for, for some time yet. They're going to get kicked out of it eventually. They're going to get told that, that, that they're not acceptable in it. But, they, but that's who they are. That's, the, that, that's their identity. Those, those of us that are Irish, you know, we have a strong identity uh, with Ireland. And there was probably a time in your life, if you're Irish, where you had a strong political identity with being Catholic. Because that's, that's who we are uh, in Ireland. That's who, who we've always been in Ireland. That's what it's like for these Christians. They've got this strong identity uh, with being Jewish. And the plan hasn't unfolded yet in terms of what's going to happen, right? <clears throat> so they ask him a question. Matthew says, adds on this part of the question. And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now the question is important to the rest of the discourse. Right, the question, because Jesus is answering their question. He's telling them what he's going to do. All right, so Jesus then foretells uh, of wars and persecutions for them after he is gone. Right? So he says to them, listen, guys, you're going to be in trouble when I'm gone. They are going to hate you. There's going to be all kinds of difficulties. Nations are going to rise against nations. There's going to be earthquakes. Uh, and they're going to lay their hands on you, uh, and they're going to bring you into synagogues and into prisons, and they're going, to, they're, going to, they're going to persecute you. Some of you are going to get killed. Now, again, they don't know that. Remember, they walk with Jesus. He is the master. He defeats all his enemies. Whenever they go up against him, uh, he sends them running away with their tails between their legs because nobody has an answer for him. 
He's told them he's going to the cross, but they haven't. They, they can't, they, the, the reality of who he was and him on a cross just didn't figure for them. They couldn't take it in. Like they, he's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. Uh, he has all that power. There's no way he's going to a cross. They, they, they haven't taken that in at all. And so what he's doing now is he's preparing them. He's telling them it's going to get rough. Right? And some of the things Jesus tells the disciples, many of the things perhaps, he tells them... Uh, so that, not that they'll buy into it now, but so that later on they'll understand, oh, he did, he said this. And the book of Acts is our story of the persecution of the early church, isn't it? It gets really rough. They can't see it now uh, at all. <clears throat> they were going to suffer great persecution. He would be with them, though, he says, and give them words to speak. So you're going to get hauled in to the synagogue, uh, you're going to be questioned. You're going to have accusations thrown at you. You're going to be uh, told that you're, you're, you're perverting the people, that you're a heretic. You're going to be told all that. And he says, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll give you the answers you need. You and I need to remember that. We're not going to be here when the Great Tribulation happens. But we may well face persecution. Christians, Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world right now. That's, kind of, that's, that's a fact. Uh, Christianity, uh, Christians, there are Christians all over this world who are suffering prison, who are suffering um, physically, who are suffering economically, who are restricted because of their faith. It's huge in this day. God doesn't promise you that you're not going to face tribulation and difficulty. But he does say he will be with you if you have to go through it. And if you miss that, you miss the key to the whole thing. He's telling these guys, listen, you're going to go through tribulation and difficulty, but I will be with you. And <clears throat> I'll give you the words to speak in that time. I will actually be with you, and I will tell you what you need to say uh, during that time, right? And the exhortation is, hang in there. In your patience, possess ye your souls. Just hang in there. I'll be with you. Just go through it. Whatever they throw at you, just go through it, because I'll be with you. That's important for us to know. Right? He's not asked us to go through things on our own. He's not asked us to, you know, <clears throat> you know, to beef up and get strong uh, to face persecution. He said, no, listen, it's going to happen in your life. But it's okay, I'll be with you. I will take care of you. So he's preparing his guys. Now, understand, he's preparing this group of people who are going to face the persecution that we see in the book of Acts. Okay, now, you and I can take something from that too because it's, it's coming to our lives too. We can, we can take something from that too. But... In the context, he's speaking to a group of people who are just about to enter into a life they haven't signed up for at all. They really don't understand uh, what's, what's going to happen. So he's, he's warning them. He's preparing them for what's going to happen after he's gone. Right? And then Jesus tells them to flee Jerusalem before the fall. Now, understand what he's saying to them there. Uh, let's read it. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed about with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Uh, then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of, the depart, uh, of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter there into, for these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. So what he's saying to them is, listen, you asked me about the temple. Jerusalem is going to fall. It doesn't give them a date. It doesn't do dates for them, right? Uh, he doesn't give them a date, but he says, Jerusalem is going to fall, but I want you, and I want you to do this. Before it falls, get out. Before it falls, I want you to leave. 
When you see it compassed about, I want you to hightail it out of there. If you're out in the countries, don't go back into it. You know, you know listen, just run, just go. Because remember, we know that what happened uh, when Jerusalem fell was that the, uh, the, um, <clears throat> the Romans, listen, they, they, just, they just slaughtered everybody in the city. They tore it apart and they slaughtered everybody in it. It was, it was grim. You know what that would have done to the early church? It would have basically destroyed it. Because they were Jews. They lived in Jerusalem. And what's Jesus saying? He's saying, get out. I want you to move out of it. I want you to get out of it before that happens. Now, interestingly, right? By the way, it's specific to the fall of Jerusalem here. We're not talking about Dublin and Ireland. We're not talking about London and England or New York and the USA. We're talking here about Jerusalem and Judea. It's specific to this, to, to this place and this people. Uh, and... Um, and he says, And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the, till the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, what's the times of the Gentiles? That's us. We're the Gentiles. But here's what happened when Jerusalem fell. When Jerusalem fell, uh, the city was destroyed. The people were slaughtered. The temple was torn down. Basically, it was just laid waste completely. And although, the, although Israel is back in Israel... The most important piece of real estate in the whole world is the Temple Mount. There's a mosque standing on it right now. Israel may have control of it, but they can't build a temple on it. And until they can build a temple, they really can't have a Jewish faith. Because remember, the Jewish faith is a faith that's all about sacrifices, morning and evening sacrifice. There's there's the Passover, there's uh, all, all the festivals and so on that they have. All of it centers around the temple uh, in Jerusalem because that's where God lives for them. So the fact that they have no temple on the Temple Mount means they can't really have a faith. They, can't, they, they can believe, uh, they can have an orthodoxy as far as Jewish, Jewish faith is concerned, but the reality is they can't actually practice their faith. They've been, it's been destroyed for them. And it's going to stay destroyed until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Now, what's the time of the Gentiles? The time of the Gentiles is when God took and turned from Israel and turned to the Gentiles and offers us the church. Right? And, and that's what he's doing in this day and age. Now, we've had 2,000 years of it. Right? And you say, it seems like a long time. 2,000 years. He said he was coming back. They were expecting him to come back any day. Uh, they they're expecting him to come back with the fall of Jerusalem. It seems like a long time. You have to remember this. One day is as a 1,000 years with the Lord. It's only been a couple of days. Right? Now, it may be more days. I don't know. It seems to me like, you know, how, how can it last? It's groaning already. How can it last? But I think people in other generations have believed that too. We don't know when. All right, we, we, we don't have any way to, to, to know when. But there is this that the Bible tells us, that the reason God is holding back is so that more people can get saved. The reason God is holding back the end is so that maybe you can get saved. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're watching us online and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. The reason he's holding back the end, the reason he doesn't let go his wrath over sin is because... He wants people to get saved. He wants you to get saved. And we need to keep that in mind. 
But though in your though in your spirit, Christians kind of have two things going on inside them if they're healthy spiritually, right? One thing is, even so, Lord Jesus, come. And the other thing is, but, but hold on until these people get saved. Hold on until these people come to come to know you, Lord. Right? But but that's the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to live, you know, you know, between those two. That we want them to come, because because you know we want righteousness to prevail. There's so many people that need to be saved. So, and the time of the Gentiles will end when he turns from us back to Israel. And they'll build a temple again. But he'll turn from us and he'll turn back to them uh, again. And that will be when he takes the church out of the world, when he removes us. But <clears throat> let, me, let me just talk to you for a moment, though, about the believers actually fleeing Jerusalem. Uh, the believers did flee to a place called Pila. Uh, and tradition says that no Christian died in the fall of Jerusalem. Now, I don't know how you'd verify that, but it says no Christian died uh, in, the, um, <clears throat> in the fall of Jerusalem. Eusebius, in writing in 312, wrote this. The people of the church in Jerusalem, in accordance with a certain oracle that was given through the revelation to those who were worthy in the place, were commanded to migrate from the city before the war and to settle in a certain city of Perea, Pila. Uh, it was called, to which those who believed in Christ migrated from Jerusalem so that when holy men had completely abandoned the royal capital of the Jews and the whole land of Judea, the judgment of God might at last overtake them for all their crimes against the Christ and his apostles, utterly blotting out that very generation of the wicked from among humankind. Now, isn't that neat? Jesus is warning them here before he dies. He's telling them, now listen, you're going to get persecuted. They're going to kill some of you. Look, understand that. I'll be with you. I'll take care of you uh, as you go through it. And, um, you know, just hang in there. Jerusalem is going to fall. You're going to know it's going to fall when you see the army surrounding it. And when the army surround it, run. Flee. Get away from it. Don't go in. When Jerusalem fell, they say it was during the time of the Passover. And the Roman... Uh, soldiers would let you go into the city. And of course, the Jewish people were going in for the Passover. But they wouldn't let you leave again. And what he's saying to them there is he's saying, listen, go. Run. Do you know that God takes care of his people? That he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's not going to leave you in a place where uh, you're all on your own and you don't have him. <clears throat> he's going to always be with you and take care of you. You see... He protected his people. He, he, he moved them out. Uh, historically, the fall of Jerusalem was a powerful factor in the deliverance of the church from Jewish, the Jewish swaddling bands which hampered its growing limbs. For all Christians, the destruction of what, uh, what can perish brings fuller vision and possession of what can be shaken. To Christ's friends, all things work for good. You see, remember, they were Jewish in their minds. That was their national identity. That was their spiritual identity. And Jesus was the Messiah. But when they rejected Jesus, things changed. God's focus changed uh, from them to the church. And them staying in Jerusalem was hampering what God wanted to do. So God moved them out. And then he visited judgment on Jerusalem for rejecting him. Now, we need to remember this too, that our God is a God of love. He is love. 
but he's a God of judgment too. When Jesus came the first time, he came not to destroy men's lives, uh, but to seek and to save that which was lost. He, he came to help. He came to give life. When he comes back again, he's not coming back in the same frame. He's not coming back weak and a baby and with other people in charge. When he comes back the next time, he's coming back on a white horse and with the sword of his mouth, he's going to destroy all his enemies. We don't understand that because we have to balance this thing. Yes, our God is a God of love, but he's also a God of judgment. And just as in Jerusalem, out of love, he argued, he talked to, he worked with the Pharisees, he tried to get them to turn around and, 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 and get the Pharisees to see who he was, to accept who he was. He, he worked and did all that. And they said, no. And they crucified him. And then it was over. Opportunity missed. Chance gone. Grace over. Now, now, now you guys face judgment. That's what God does. And you see, we need to understand the character of the God that we serve. He's not Santa Claus. Yes, he is wonderfully loving and wonderfully gracious. And anybody in the world today who will come and bow before him can be saved. But there comes a day when the day of grace is done. And he says, that's over. And judgment falls. But you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't judge his children for the sins of the world. He's judged all of that in Jesus Christ. In, <clears throat> remember, remember in Genesis, let me just bring, bring your mind back to it. In, in Genesis, uh, Lot goes off and listen, he gets himself in a bad place. But we know he's a believer because the scripture tells us he's a believer. And, and <clears throat> the Lord goes and he visits Abraham. And Abraham, of course, is Lot's uncle. And... He's going to destroy Sodom because of the wickedness in Sodom. Right? And uh, so Abraham pleads with him. And Abraham says this, which is very theologically correct. Right? He says, That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? What's he talking about? He's talking about, you know, listen... I know they're wicked people and they deserve to be judged. But Lot's not. He's a righteous man. And so Genesis 19, 29, and it came to pass when, the Lord got, when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. That God actually took care of Lot. Listen, he may have been a sad and sorry believer. I think he was, but he was a believer. And because he was, God protected him, right? God took care of him, right? Listen, when it comes to the end times, when it comes to Jesus visiting wrath upon this world, and it's coming. I mean, I read the book of Revelation yesterday. The book of Revelation is a terrifying story. You know, it is really terrifying. If you, if you, if you just let the, the, the words, a third of the people die, a third of the moon, a third of the sun uh, is cut off. I mean, you have the whole of this world just like a ball thrown up in the air almost and bouncing. It's, 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 in bad, it's in a bad way. 
But you know what? I won't be here for it. Because that's God visiting his wrath upon the world for unbelief. And I'm not an unbeliever. And if you're not an unbeliever, you won't be here either. You won't be here. God will take us out of it. God will rapture the church out of it, lift us out of it, because that's not our time. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have tribulation and difficulty and problem in your life. You are going to have those things. The Bible clearly says you're going to have those things. But when it comes to God visiting judgment on the world because of its sin and because of its rejection of, of the king, he's not going to visit it on you because you didn't reject because you're his. So <clears throat> keep that one in mind, right? And then he speaks of the second coming. Right? And he tells them what's going to happen. And there should be signs in the sun and signs in the moon and the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. Now, here's what we tend to do. Don't we tend to kind of look for the signs in the sun and the signs? You won't be here when it happens. What he's talking about is just before he comes, everything is going to go Kelly Wumpus. Everything is going to go upside down. There's going to be signs. There's going to be all kinds of things going on. But you'll be with him. In fact, you'll be coming back with him uh, as a believer. You see, we, we won't be here for that part of it. There's no sign we're waiting on before his return for us. He could come today. That's exciting, isn't it? We could, we could be called out of this world today and then all this begins to get going. All, all, all the end uh, times begins to, begins to get going. He could just call us to be with him today. And for us, it's over. So a couple of thoughts for you to keep in mind. Study prophecy. It matters to God. It matters to God. Study prophecy. Read it. Uh, right? And it ought to matter to you if you're his friend too. He doesn't keep from his friends what he's doing. And if you're his friend, it, it ought to matter. And I realize, you know, you look at it and it can be complex. It can seem, well, oh, I don't know that I can actually get my head around all that and so on. You'd be amazed if you will sit with your open Bible and ask God to show you what he's going to do, what you can actually come to understand just from your open Bible. Study prophecy. <clears throat> know this, though. Whatever is coming, Jesus promises to be with you. Whatever is going to happen, Jesus promises to be with you. Uh, he is going to take care of you no matter what. Now again, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean no suffering. It doesn't mean no trials and tribulations. It doesn't mean no persecution. It doesn't mean any of those. It doesn't mean you may not die a martyr's death. I don't know that you will. Uh, it doesn't mean any of those things. It does mean that he will be with you. He will go through whatever you're going through with you. He promised that to the early disciples, and he promises it to you too. And then number three, I think we need to live with this thought. Time is short. Listen, because we don't know when, because it could be any moment, you know, we don't know when. Yeah, we ought to be living right. Interestingly, he, he says to these people as they're facing the end, uh, he says, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that the day come upon you unawares. 
that they, <clears throat> what's happened is they're kind of they're so involved in the world and the sin of the world and the, uh, and the cares of the world that they lose sight of the fact that he's coming. I think that one could be for us too, couldn't it? Be very easy for the world to kind of just overtake. And, <clears throat> you know, you're not, you're not waiting. You're not getting ready. You're not, you're not in that place where you're, you're, you're looking to. So live right. Be his people in this age. Be his people who live his way, who live with the breath of heaven upon their lives. This world is not your home. You're headed somewhere. Your home is with him. And any moment now, you can step into that long home. So, so live right. And finally, be a witness. Listen, if God in his mercy is holding back the end so that people can get saved, doesn't that mean that we need to be witnesses? That we need to actually make it that important that we actually tell people about Jesus. Be a witness. Listen, it is all in hand. God has it all under control. He has uh, you in his hand. He has the hairs of your head counted. Nothing is happening apart from him. You can take, have peace in the moment. But understand that prophecy matters because it's what God is doing. And he's doing it and he's going to fulfill all of it. And <clears throat> whatever's coming, Jesus is going to be with you. Live right and be a witness. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, would you bless us now? Lord, we, we thank you for your word. We, we, we thank you, Lord, for dealing in our hearts and lives. We thank you, Lord, for, for, for Lord, letting us know as your friends what it is that you're doing. Now, Lord, would you pour the blessing upon us in these moments, Lord, as we commune with you. And, oh, Lord, may our hearts be surrendered to you, yielded to you, and letting you have your way. In Jesus' precious name, amen.